Man, as we talk this season about an undone Christmas, we are really, we're jumping into what a lot of us consider to be undone is kind of like that video. We're kind of in the middle of getting ready. How many feel like you're getting ready for Christmas, right? You're just kind of getting ready for Thanksgiving. Now you're getting ready for Christmas and there's some joy to that. And then there's some difficulty with that. Can we all say yeah to that, right? There's some expectation for us to get it done and and have it prepared. I know that, man, I talk with a lot of you and there's stress to provide what, what you think is a good Christmas for your kids or your grandkids. Is that all right? Yeah. And so there's a lot of stress. And, and as we come into Christmas, the truth is God wants us to be undone by the story of Christmas. And last week, Dave's just said, have you really understood the story? Have you really entered into Christmas? Because this is typically what we think about with Christmas. This is typically what we think about when we come into the Christmas season and there's, there's joys and stress. But, but Jesus wants us to be undone in him. Undone is a word that we don't use all that often, do we? Except for when it's like the title of a series and you hear it week after week after church, right? And so we don't really... Undone is not simply... Uh, you know, just not complete. Undone is, is laid waste, right? It is, it's, you're ruined, right? Whether it's for a moment or for a season of life, you're ruined, right? And last week we said that it can be undone in a good way or in a bad way. Do you know what I mean, right? Are you tracking with me? You can be undone positively. You can be undone negatively. You can be undone negatively, possibly through the death of somebody in your life, right? Our, my mother-in-law died lived a great long life, but passed away five years ago. And I was undone, just undone. And lots of you know that, right? Lots of you are currently going through that. And it takes a while. Grieving takes a season, doesn't it? You're just, un it's like life stands still. You can be undone in, in good ways, in beauty. I, Dave talked about love last week, and I was thinking about Beauty. You can be undone in a moment over something absolutely stunning, right? Uh, as we go through life and we see things, that are, we see people that are beautiful, we see images that are beautiful, we see portraits that are beautiful, we see paintings that are beautiful, we see houses that are beautiful. You ever seen a house that's beautiful and you almost, you, it like strikes you and you just pull over to look at the house, right? For a, a small moment, your, your time is undone, right? So I'm coming out of Home Depot uh, last... I don't know, a month and a half ago. You know how in fall, when it just starts to rain here, if you've been here for more than a you know in fall, like it's dry, 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 and then it starts to rain and there's still a little bit of colors on the hills. Does that make sense? I live kind of below Little Cottonwood Canyon and coming out of Home Depot right over there. Are you guys tracking with me? There's only like two of you alive out there, right? Okay, so I'm coming out of Home Depot. It's drizzling. It's been kind of a gray day and the sun breaks through. I've got like two bags of stuff. And the sun breaks through, and right before me, looking east, into the hills, orange, green, painted hills, drizzle with the sun shining through, an absolutely stunning rainbow, right? You know kind of our three-week season of rainbows right there, right in the fall? Absolutely stunning rainbow from end to end. But wait, not just one rainbow, two a double rainbow full, 
from tip to tail, whatever you say, from gold pot to gold pot, I don't know, all the way around right in front of me. So what do I do? I glance at it once and get in my car and drive away and don't think about it again. No! I drop my bags and I take 16 panoramic shots, right? Just to try to capture the moment because it is so beautiful. I'm undone just in front of creation for a moment, right? I, I wouldn't have answered a call during that time. I wouldn't have done anything but just enjoyed that moment because those moments only last for, I mean, really, sometimes seconds. Undone. And God says, if we really understand the Christmas story, we're going to be undone like that. Do you know the people all around Christmas were fully undone? Last week we talked about Mary and Herod. They were undone in different ways. Mary said, yes, God, whatever you have for me, let it be. If you want me to be involved with the coming of the Messiah, let it be. And Herod, on the other hand, he heard about the coming of a king and he said, "Uh uh-uh. We're not doing that. I'm not rolling with you, God, on that. And I'm going to do everything I can to kill that king and for me to remain king of my life and my throne and my rule. And you and I, when we hear of Christmas, when we hear of God sending his son here to end the separation between us, between us and God, we have two ways to go. We can can go like Mary into it or we can go like Herod away from it. And today, What we're going to talk about is that when we're undone, we are undone into hope in the gospel. We're undone into hope. So I'm going to pray for us, and uh, we're going to get started. God, we're here this morning. We're your people. You have created each one of us, and we come to you and we say thanks. Thank you, God, not just for for the day, not thank you generally in the season, but God, thank you for every little thing from the air in our nostrils, to the food in our bellies, to the warmth in our bodies because of the shelter you gave us last night. You have provided so much. God, you're our creator. And not only did you provide that, but you sent us your son. You're an amazing giving God. So today, God, as we we unwrap the present of all presents, as we understand the lottery that that really has been given to us, the jackpot that is absolutely at our fingertips because of you, God, would you undo us more than simple double rainbows, more more than life situations that startle us? Would you undo us this Christmas season in a way like not before. God, I pray that you would speak as you want to through your spirit to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. The people clearly all around Jesus at his arrival at Christmas were, were fully undone. The shepherds were completely undone. They've, they've been hearing of the Messiah their whole lives, and they heard that the Messiah was coming that night. They left what they were doing. They just walked out of their job. They, when's the last time you heard something and just walked out of your job? Just left, right? Just absolutely left and gone, right? It doesn't happen very often, does it? And and when's the last time you heard something that wasn't personally about you and your situation, right? It It was about something else that was happening in the nation and for people, and you just took off and left. The last time I remember that was 9 11, right? Just thinking about it. 
Last time I remember, 9-11, I didn't work, I don't, I'm sure I didn't work all day. I don't think I even called in, right? I, I absolutely just, I, I was at home and I was with my wife all day. I was undone, just like you all were. And, and the shepherds were undone. And then Jesus, growing up and becoming a, a man and talking and preaching and bringing the kingdom, people around him everywhere were undone. Tax collectors like Zacchaeus, his life was never the same after Jesus came to his house, right? Gave away and paid back his debts. He became a different person. The Samaritan woman at the well, people like the Roman centurion bumped into Jesus and they and their whole, him and his whole household, they quit worshiping all of their Roman gods and they worshiped Jesus. They all followed. They were undone. Their lives took a a completely different course. For you and I, what does it look like for us to be undone in hope? Because many of us have been here for years. Many of us grew up as Christians. Some of us came to faith in recent years. I know a couple of you who, at Christmases like the one we're in right now, became undone, right? Some of you, it was it was Emmanuel last year, God with us, right? Or two years ago, Emmanuel, God with us, that you absolutely understood God is with me and you entered in. And some of you went all in with God a couple years ago at Christmas and your lives have never been the same since. In interacting with you, many of you come to faith and your friends hardly even know you anymore. Your life is full of hope and joy and healing. And that's God's desire for you that you and I would enter into that, that we would be undone. Jesus Christ has come, and I'm undone. We learned a new song last week that we're entering into, we're using all season long, called All This Glory by David Crowder. And here's the, the phrase of it today that I want you to pick up. In the middle of the night, your majesty. In the middle of our plight came the king of kings. While we were waiting on your love to come along. Light broke in, coming like a sun. And God says that in the middle of our plight, he enters in with Christmas and he wants us to be undone in hope. He wants our response to to receive his hope and for our lives to be undone. But here's the problem. How is it that so many of us know about this Christmas story? We know about Jesus We know about the gift of his son. We know about salvation and we're not undone. Or how is it that that I'm only undone for moments, right? I'm only undone for, for just a moment in time and then I just slip back into my life as it were and I hardly even think about it. Because people who were undone, their whole lives changed. Listen to what happened in Acts 2, just literally weeks after Jesus was crucified, dead, buried, and rose again and ascended to be with the Father. says this in Acts 2, a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together constantly. They shared everything they had. They sold their possessions. They shared the proceeds with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their group those who were being saved. Man, I want this kind of undone for us. Don't you, church? Don't you want alive, 
visibly awesome works of God going on amongst us? Don't you want literally to be at that place like we talked about last week, that selflessness that God calls us into, just like Jesus was fully selfless. Don't you want to walk in that? Uh, we were, uh, I was with a group doing something downtown this last week, and I can't, can't remember exactly what it was, but I, we, were, we were serving together, and I mentioned to the person next to me, these are like the rightest moments in life. When you know that you're not on your agenda, you are absolutely giving out of the love of God to someone else, right? And I just call them the rightest moments in life, whether they happen in your home, whether they happen in your neighborhood, whether they happen in some sort of missional moment, whether that's overseas or here in South Salt Lake or down, do you know what I mean? They're like, I want those moments. I want us as a church to be undone. And so why is it when I look at my life that there's only spots of undone and not more? We find ourselves as followers of Jesus. Our response is so very different from the people that were fully undone around him. Now, they weren't perfect people by any means, but their lives took a different course. They didn't, they didn't see the double rainbow and put their head down and get in their car and drive away. Man, they dropped everything and sat in awe of what God had just done. You guys know that Mandela died this week, leader of South Africa. Um, there are, there's actually quite a few South African families here in our body, if you didn't know that. And so they could probably all speak to this better than I could, but we lived there for five years. And so we grew an appreciation for culture and for Mandela as a leader and, and, uh, so in his, in his autobiography, A Long Walk Towards Freedom, here's what Mandela says. He says um, that he says, I cannot pinpoint a moment when I knew my life would become politicized, when I knew that I would spend my life in the liberation struggle. And he goes on to say that, he says, I can't pinpoint a moment, but I knew at some point in my life that my life was due to be spent in a liberation struggle. Now, whether or not you like the way he did that or his politics is besides the point for this. The, the, the point is that he knew at some point that his life was due to be spent on behalf of others. And so this young boy who grew up in the hills tending cattle in the Eastern Cape of South Africa, one day he, he understood, and he says this very plainly, he says, I understood that I was doing my best to befriend every different group of people who were against each other. I was trying to, to do my best with the British white and the Afrikaans white and the ruling party, and I was trying to keep my foot in my culture as well and trying to befriend all of them, and I realized that I had to be undone. See, he was no longer content with apartheid. Apartheid, the word apartheid means segregation or separation, right? And so he was no longer content with that, and he said, my life is to be spent. And shortly thereafter, he entered in fully. And you know what? He entered into 27 years of imprisonment. 27 years. In a, I mean, I was in his cell, right? Very, you can be in his cell too, on Robben Island. Very small cell. And there's, there's many years where I'm very sure hope was lost. Many moments when hope was far away. 
And yet he knew that his life was to be undone and never go back. Never go back to simply securing a good life for him by by maintaining whatever control he could over the relationships that he had. That he had to spend it all on this liberation struggle. And then 27 years later, in 1994, he was released from prison. And the end of apartheid came. And and this is what separates, this is why Mandela is different than than many other liberation leaders, many other freedom fighters. I want you to understand this specifically because this is what is absolutely amazing. He says, as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. That is what's different about Mandela than almost all other, because he understood that he had, you can't fight bitterness and hatred with bitterness and hatred right? The tools of bitterness and hatred don't demolish bitterness and hatred and segregation and apartheid. How is it, church, that you and I, we know freedom. We know the gospel. We know the Christmas story. And we are so happy, so content, so non-undone, I don't know if that word exists, but so not double negative, undone. So we are so done up in our lives. We don't mind other people in apartheid from God. We know it exists. There's thousands around us. Friends, dear friends that we have who are right now trapped in the apartheid of their soul away from God. And we know freedom. And you and I, like Mandela, before he was undone, we just were happy to just kind of play it safe. Man, God has you and I. We've received Christmas, and he wants us to give it. It's a radical story, friends. It just is. Like, it doesn't even get old saying it over and over. When, when people of power, when Mandela, while he was alive, after he was out of prison. If Mandela came here, he would arrive in security, in pomp and circumstance. There would be many people receiving him because he's a person of power. He's a leader, right? That's how we all roll that. If you don't roll that way, you want to roll that way. If if you were a leader, that's how you'd want to roll. And the God of the universe sends his son, the image of the invisible God, the one to reconcile us to the Father. He sends him and he sends him not as a strong leader, but as a baby. He doesn't send him as an articulate man. He sends him as a babbling child. He doesn't send him in security. He sends him into a blue-collar family in the worst part of the nation. He doesn't send him into amazing royalty. He sends him into life, our plight. He's not born in an amazing hospital or a palace. He's born in a garage. It's ridiculous. If there's ever an exclamation point, ever a story, ever a great thing to say, ever an amazing gift, it's God who sends his son speaking a language I can understand. He's got calluses just like me. He understands life. It says that Jesus knew everything we knew, all of our struggles, all of our temptations, yet without sin. He knows us and he came to bring hope, to bring life, 
to bring the love of God into our plight. How in the world can we not be undone? And how in the world can we sit by and play it safe while literally thousands around us are stuck in the apartheid of their soul, separated from God? So often what we do is we put our hope in, in what, we can, what we can control, right? And, and again, for moments, we're undone. Just rightly so. In mom, for moments, we're in awe of God. And then we slip back into normal life and we just... We control what we can. And this is, to me, this is exactly what Paul says again in Romans 12. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says this. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will accept. When you think of what he has done for you, is this too much to ask? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Okay? Don't put your hope in the same place the world puts their hope. Okay? Don't don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Right? He says, let God transform where you put your hope. Let God undo you. He says, let your lives be a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice. Not a lay it on the altar, kill yourself sacrifice. Let your lives be an alive, undone sacrifice to him. Be undone. So Jesus comes in and, and he brings this, this call for us to be undone. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 1. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope Remember, he's writing to people who are already the church. These people are already Christians. He says, I pray that your eyes might be opened, that you might know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. This power is the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. In Romans 8, similarly, he says, We know the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we eagerly await our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For, this, for in this hope we are saved. But, we hope, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. What Paul says is that this, this power is given to those of us who believe. This power of being undone, it's not power in and of ourselves. It's, it's being undone in the awe of the story of the gospel, of letting our lives absolutely drop the bags and look at him. Drop the bags in front of everyone in our life. And look at him to be about the story of the king of the gospel. And he says this, he says, you and I have this spirit inside us, this first fruit. When we become followers of Jesus, God says, I come to set up shop in you. I come to live inside of you. My spirit resides in you. And, and Paul says, that is a first fruit. It's a deposit. It's a down payment on 
on when we will be fully present with him after this life. And so the hope Paul is getting to is the power to live an undone life, to live a completely undone life, knowing that this life is not the life. This life is but a brief moment and and then we have eternity in his presence. We have a brief deposit now and we will have a forever presence of God. And he says, don't be afraid to live undone. Don't be afraid to fully embrace Christmas like those who did who were around Jesus, like Mary did. Don't be afraid to embrace Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, but let us who live in the light, that's those who are followers of Jesus, let us live in the light and be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, wearing as our helmet the hope of salvation. He says, I want you to be protected. He uses this image of armor. Be protected by faith and love, but I want your, where does the helmet cover? What does the helmet cover? Head, right? And head is where, it's the center of how you think and hope and feel. And he says, I want you to be, your mind to be protected in hope. I want your mind to be protected in the hope of the gospel for life abundant and life eternal now. God calls us into an undone Christmas. Romans 15, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And don't you want to live a life of confident, overflowing hope and joy in the gospel? God, I want that for us. I want that for you. I want that for you and I want to run life alongside of you, confidently hoping together, picking each other up as doubt comes, picking each other up as difficulty comes, running together in the confident hope of the gospel. God says this is what it's like for the church to be undone, for us to to absolutely be finished and to really open ourselves up to what God would do with us. Marine Corporal Tim Donnelly lost both his legs a couple years ago in roadside bomb in Afghanistan. Um, this, uh, this, like many of our infantry soldiers now, um, are, are living through, because, because medicine on, uh, on the field is so good these days, we have many, many men and women who are coming back with their lives completely undone, completely and fully undone. And, and this corporal uh, actually is involved, he became involved actually after he lost both of his legs, and he's actually losing his right arm as well. And he, he has it currently, but he's, he's going to lose it. And he said, for him, he said, it's one thing to have lost my legs. He goes, but if I lose my right arm, he goes, I can't salute. I can't shake someone's hand like a man. He goes, what good am I? And, and he, like you and I, emotionally wants to cling on to his doneness, what he can still do, Right? And so he was invited into this Wounded Warriors band because he's, he's a musician, he sings, and he's got his voice still, and he was invited. This uh, wounded, wounded Warriors band is, um, is led by Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, 
And all these guys in the band are wounded warriors. And it really, it, it, you can find it on YouTube. Please look this up and watch it even this afternoon. And he sings, uh, this corporal sings uh, Leonard Cohen's Alleluia. And he was asked to sing this song and he began to sing it. And he said, I just, I couldn't really sing it with who I was. I couldn't understand it because how can I praise the Lord? That's what Alleluia means. How can I praise the Lord when he has completely undone me. He doesn't use the word undone, but when he is complete, he's taking my legs and now he's taking my hand. How can I praise the Lord being undone? And he says this, he was praying, he was talking to God about this because he said, I just, I couldn't do it. And he said, God said to him, do you still trust me and believe that I have what is best for you? And he said, and I sat with that until I could really believe that I, that I could trust God, that he really loves me and he has what is best for me. See, church, that's where we're at. Christmas is this gift. God loves us and has absolutely what is best for us. And how you and I can completely walk away from that and not be undone. I, God, forgive us. God, this year, I want you to, I want you to, to take a risk and just say, God, undo me. Undo me. Don't let me just walk away unchanged. Here's what, here's what Marine Corporal Donnelly said. He said this, at that point, I finally understood Alleluia. He says, and I may be more whole now than I've ever been in my entire life. See, because when you unwrap the gift of Christmas, and you understand that God absolutely has your best. And God absolutely is at work beyond your circumstances, that he meets you in your plight, in the middle of your difficulty. He sent his son right into the heart of it. He wants to meet you and I there. And when you understand that and embrace it, you might be more whole than you've ever been in your whole life. There's two of, of you here, at least kind of two ways to respond to this. Some of us know this story and we've embraced it. And, and to be honest, there was some undoneness at some point in our life, but, but freshly, there's not much undoneness. And I, I, wanna, I wanna ask you today to step into undoneness to step freshly, say, God, would you overwhelm me with this story? Would you blow me away with your kindness, with your love for me? And would you, actually, would you use me freshly? Would you use me as a living, undone sacrifice? And then some of you are here today and, and maybe like Saul who, who really became undone in the gospel. Saul, Saul spent his life trying to disprove Christianity and killing Christians. Some of you might not have that as your career, but you might have spent your life trying to disprove the validity of Jesus. Maybe you're here with someone else and maybe you've spent your life thinking, this can't be the only way. This can't be the only savior. This can't be the way to God. And I wanna encourage you today to, to, un to step into the Christmas story, to unwrap the story of God's gift for you. And if you'd like to do that, man, I would love to pray with you. I'd love for you to, to come and, and, and even pray with, with a couple of us up here afterwards, some from the band or Dave and I. Or would, you, 
I'd love to pray with any of you who say, God, I want to step into what it is to be undone. Our, our connections team is going to come forward and um, we're going to take the offering uh, here today. If you're with us as a guest, um, it's really out of an undone heart of, of saying, God, we want to worship you uh, with our lives that we give and we worship him with our finances. And so, um, God, as we, as we finish here today, it's my prayer that we as a people would be undone. God, you, you have given us so much. You've given us your son. You've given us an end of the apartheid of our soul between you because of our sin. And God, we, we thank you for that freedom. We thank you for this story of Christmas. But God, as we come to you today, we want to worship you with our finances and, and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.